Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. I am your host, James Orr, and this is another episode of the servingrealestateinvestors.com webinar, podcast, Substack. Basically, it's information for those that are interested in serving real estate investors, whether you're a real estate agent or a lender or an accountant or someone else that caters to the real estate investing community. And today we're going to do a really special class. It is a, a class I've never really talked about before. And I think it's, I don't know, somewhat important. I think there are a lot of other more important classes, but I think this is a good reminder for when you're teaching your classes to do something that may not come naturally to everybody. And, and it really is about using assumptive language in your presentations. So there are exceptions to this. But in general, I think when you are talking to your audience of real estate investors, when you're teaching a class, uh, which is usually getting recorded and being available on video or a podcast or something like that. But in general, when you are talking to a class and trying to teach them, you should assume that you are talking exclusively to your clients. And what I mean by that is when you are telling them things, when you are sharing stuff with them, you should tell them from the perspective that you are talking specifically to someone who is already a client of yours and not necessarily a prospect. So this is not like sales language of if you become a client of mine or you know uh, if, if you decide that you want to do this, it is all about talking as if you're talking to someone who already is a client of yours or who has already bought a house or who has already signed an exclusive right to buy or sell agreements, and they are already working with you actively. Why do this? Well, first, you are talking to existing clients live in the room. If you're getting the people, you're doing what I'm suggesting, and you're getting people to come back and attend classes, and they are already existing clients of yours, you are talking to clients in the room. They are in the room live. And when you send your clients to listen to the recording later, you know, you're out with the clients and, you know, they're talking to you about, uh, you know, how do you determine fair market rent or how do you screen tenants or how do you fill out the lease or how do you deal with this issue? And you've taught a class on that before. You are going to send that client to the recording, to the podcast episode, to the video, to your website, wherever the recording and stuff is. And so when you send them there, you want them to hear it, not as a sales pitch, to someone who is in the room, but as if you are already talking to them as a client. And not everyone in the room is necessarily going to be a client, but some of them will become your clients. Some of them may be live in the room and they just heard about you for the first time. They just showed up for the first class or they were brought as a guest and maybe they've heard of you before, but this is their first experience seeing you live, or maybe they've even heard a podcast episode before, and this is their first time seeing you live. So there's a lot of people in the room that may not yet be your client, but you should be speaking to them as if they are your client. And they may be discovering your videos, and your podcasts and stuff, and they may stumble upon it and realize, oh my gosh, this is like insider secret stuff. This is the stuff that he tells his clients. This is the stuff that he shares with his clients. If I go work with him or her, then this is what I'm going to get. I'm going to get access to this like secret proprietary information that he only shares with clients. And on a very related note, don't hold back. Because you are speaking to your clients, because you are sharing your very, very, very best information, 
you don't want to hold anything back. This should not be like, if you become my client, you'll get this new, I'll, I'll, I'll share with you the real information. But for today, I'm going to tell you, you know, like the, the cheesy half version. Nope, that's not what you should be doing. You should be teaching them your very best stuff. You do not hold back. You do not like reserve stuff for clients with very rare exceptions, right? Like if it's something that could hurt your clients, then I think you hold that back. But I don't even think you're talking about it in a lot of cases. You're just not, you're just not sharing something that is potentially harmful to your clients. You know, a weakness in how you do things. That would be something that you would not voluntarily share because I don't think that is serving your clients. So in general, though, don't hold back. Teach your best stuff. Teach the best practices. Teach like the, the, the most valuable information you could possibly find and teach it as if you're teaching it to your clients, to your very best clients. Okay, that's really what you should be doing. So here are just a couple examples. There's lots of variations, but if you go listen to some of my class, and you know, I will tell you this, I am not perfect at this. So you may go listen to a class. And you're like, James isn't doing this. I don't know what he's talking about, but this is my intent, right? Like if you go listen to the classes where I think I did a good job at this, you will hear examples of me using this and talking about the language, right? Like, like when we talk about giving them a plan, the plan we give them is me helping them do the plan. Like a lot of times you'll hear me talk about like, you know, this is how we do it for my clients. This is how we, we do it. And this is what we're doing. So here's some examples of like the language I'm talking about using. When we look at properties, we do this and this and this and this and this. When we look at properties, we do this. Okay. You're talking to a client and you're saying, when we do this, when we write a contract, this is how we do it. This is what we put in here. This is the discussion we have. These are the considerations we have. These are the pros and cons of doing it this way. When we write a contract, when we look at properties, when we write a contract, when we go to closing, you're visualizing them going to closing with you. When we go to closing, this is what we do. These are the tips we have for when we go to closing. And so, you know, there are times when I will talk about like what other people do, especially if I think what we do is superior, you know? Most real estate agents don't do this, but when we do this, this is what we do. You know, this is what you can expect when you are my client. And which reminds me of a, of a side topic to this, and that is, you know, sometimes part of the teaching of the class is going over my processes and my checklists. It's, it's explaining to them what is normal, what is expected, how things typically go down when they work with us and the processes and the checklists that we use. I'm a big checklist guy. I don't know if I mentioned this to you guys, but I, uh, I worked for the U.S. Navy and in the Navy, I, and I worked on nuclear reactors, but in the Navy, you really don't do anything without some type of standard operating procedure, some type of checklist, especially on nuclear reactors, right? You don't go and just like, willy-nilly decide to do something without knowing what you're doing and having a written process in place. And so when I got into the real estate business, the real estate brokerage business, even the real estate investing business, um, I was like, so where's the checklist? And, and everyone's like, what checklist? There's no checklist. Oh, you want the checklist? Here's the checklist for the things you need to have in your file to get paid. That was the checklist that they had. Nothing else. There was no like, 
best practices for showings, best practices for uh, scheduling, you know, uh, listing appointments or best best practices for listing appointments themselves or uh, best practices for scheduling showings or best practices for attending closing or best practices for writing contracts and variations on that. No checklist. Okay. So when I got in the business, what I started to do is I said, okay, you know, this, this writing a contract thing seems like it's going to be something I'm going to do more than once. So maybe I should make some type of written checklist to follow that I will go through whenever I write a contract. Then when something comes up that doesn't go my way, or even if something doesn't, or if something, um, if basically something happens that it could have not gone my way, it didn't even have to have happened. It could have been like, oh my gosh, if this and this and this happened, then I could actually be in a lot of trouble, or this could put my client in a position of weakness I need to fix this. I need to fix this upstream when we do this other step. And then I go to my written process and I implement a new checklist, a new kind of section to deal with that potential downstream issue. You know, we will go and fix it so that it is less likely to happen again. Or if there's not anything I could do, at least I have it as have a discussion with the client, you know, craft an email template that we send off to the client at this point in the process that says, hey, this could potentially happen. Um, We don't have any really good ways of protecting you except to let you know that these are the options that, that, you know, provided these three things happen, this could go wrong. And, you know, protect yourself. Do whatever you can to evaluate that and minimize your risk, but there's really not much we can do about it because it's just the way it is. So, you know, when I'm talking to clients, I'm usually teaching them, from our checklist, from our process. This is how we do things. This is what is expected when you work with us. And we talk to them as if they are clients already working with us. And I, I, I don't know if this is true, but I wonder if there's a little bit of like fear of missing out or they have a experience early on with another agent or they had an experience previously with another agent. They're like, my agent didn't do that. And then they'd be like, oh, well, James does that. You know, James's processes must be a lot better. And if this is something that I noticed, I mean, there's probably a lot of things that I didn't know that were happening that, you know, if I work with somebody who has good processes and good systems and, you know, he's teaching this and he's sharing this and he's, he's got some, you know, rep, repetitions and he's able to do this. And, you know, like that's an attractive thing to a lot of folks. Not everybody, but a lot of folks. And even the people that aren't checklist oriented themselves I think they crave somebody who is checklist oriented to protect them and their interests when they hire them. Something to consider. So, you know, when I'm talking about stuff, it's like, here's how it works for our brokerage. Then I explain our process and why we do it that way and how we do it that way. And some of the, you know, inside baseball of like what is going on when it's there. Um, And as I say here, in some cases, tell you why it is differently than my peers. You know, my peers, when they do this, they usually do it this way, which, you know, there are some advantages to doing it that way, but here's why we don't do it that way and why I think it's better for you to do it this way. And soft selling the differences to differentiate and avoid commoditization. I think that's one of the, that's one of the main things we're trying to overcome with this whole serving real estate investors kind of like niche, right? We're trying to differentiate between, oh, there's a thousand different real estate agents in my marketplace and they're all the same. No, there's a thousand different real estate agents in my marketplace and one of them 
caters to real estate investors and is willing to go and teach classes and document the process and provide tools and provide recordings and provide a podcast. And they are very different than the 999 other ones. That's what we want. We want to be set apart from all the other agents. And honestly, it doesn't have to be exclusively to just serving real estate investors, right? Like this could be you specializing in something else, you specializing in selling properties to recently divorced couple or selling properties of recently divorced couples or selling uh, pool properties or selling horse properties or selling um, vacation you know, rentals or, you know, like you could have different niches. You could cater, a lot of uh, real estate agents, they cater to first-time home buyers. You know, when you're brand new in the business, if you know just 10% more than the general public, then you're an expert, right? You're an expert compared to them because you know more than they do and you can help them. And so I think a lot of new real estate agents, they cater to brand new first-time home buyers who they know more about the process than the client does. And so they could get some experience by helping them that way. I think that's a solution a lot of first-time, really new real estate agents seek out, okay? So you could specialize in different things. I'm just trying to avoid commoditization and to differentiate myself from the rest of the pack by focusing on and catering to and really being attuned to and serving at a very high level, adding as much value as I can, massive value to a very specific group of people, um, in a way that, you know, as I said that, you know, a group of specific people, I wanted to make sure that it is not a protected class. It's not like I am, uh, I am violating fair housing by choosing to work with investors. Investors as a group are not protected. You know, you can't go pick a group that is, by picking that group, you're going to violate fair housing, right? You can't go pick and say, I'm only going to work with a certain race, as an example. I think you'd probably get in trouble for doing that. Um, or a certain sexual orientation or, you know, something like that. You, you probably shouldn't focus in on that group. Um, so just realize that you probably should just focus on ones that are not going to be fair housing violations. I don't even know why I went off on that tangent. All right. So those are the examples though. So when we look at properties, when we write a contract, when we go to closing, when we're under contract, when we make an offer, you know, when we analyze deals, like we're, we're talking about it as join our group or you and I are doing this, but the language needs to be assumptive in that you are talking to your clients. I think that is a best practice that you probably should adopt when you're doing the classes. All right, that's all I got for you. Hopefully you enjoyed that class. Uh, went off on some slight tangents there, but I hope you enjoyed it and get some good value from it. Uh, this has been James Orr. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye for now.